Welcome to the Amity Bible Church with our pastor, Dr. Les Smith, because our vision is to become the church that Christ intended it to be, to know God and to make him known as our mission. And we are committed to loving God, serving others, and are unashamedly obsessed with sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you can always get the message online, YouTube, Facebook, and our podcast that's air on all major podcast platforms. Make sure you like and subscribe to all three. Today, Pastor Martin begins a new series and has a new word for us. He discusses the tension between humanness and holiness, God's divine design for humanity. Turn to Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 28, and listen as Pastor Martin explains today's word. During this month, we're going to explore how there's a conflict or a tension that it continues to exist and our operating and functioning according to God's plan and his purpose. However, we have this tension within us where we're always drawn away towards the things that we desire and not so much the things that God would have or desire. So we find ourselves existing in this state of conflict. Every born again believer has this because as we understand that we are to strive, having surrendered our life to God, we're to strive to allow his Holy Spirit working in us to lead and guide and to direct our steps. So, so we're going to explore this, but also through the, through, through the course of this month, show how man and women, men and women and humanity, we're able to, through the work of Christ in us, to establish such a means by which we can overcome this conflict. God's original intent, when uh, he designed man, it was for man to operate in holiness and innocence. However, when the decision was made to disobey God and sin entered into the world, then there became this conflict, a way, uh, God's way versus our way. Now, God made us in his image, but he also, and he gave us dominion, but he also set boundaries because when you think about having dominion, it's mine. This is my domain. I have rule over it. I do what I want to do, do it when I want to do it, how I want to do it. However, God, he did give man dominion, but he set up boundaries. Now, the, the reality is that God gave us this dominion that we might serve or operate as vice regents in the earth, that, that, that he reigns over all things, but we would serve as those who have dominion in the earth. Now, here's something. When Adam and Eve made the decision to disobey God, they gave up part of that right. We find Satan bragging about having been given this dominion because when he tempts Jesus in Matthew chapter 4, he says, I will give you all the kingdoms of the earth because they have been given to me. See, the, 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 the thing that happened in the garden wasn't just that they, gave, they, that they sinned, but they gave up something that God had ordained and given. 
And since that day, Satan has been reigning and continuing to, to, to wreak havoc in the earth. Now, the reality is, is as we continue our lesson for this month, one of the things you'll find is as we discover that God has created man or design, has a special design that he intended for mankind, one of the things that we must recognize in our personal lives, our own lives, and that is that if we are going to reflect God, we must reflect him through our understanding of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus says, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So how can I understand what it would look like to reflect him or to be his image or, or to look like him? All of us, many of us, I should say, many of us has had, have had family members say, hey, you look like cousin such and such or Uncle Bud or, or Ain't Mamie. Because there's something that they see in you or see of you that reminds them. So ultimately, every person, all of humanity was designed to be a reflection of this great God that we were to exhibit him in all of his many facets. So that points us or leads us to our first point for the day. And that is that God designed man to bear his image. That God designed man to bear his image. Let's look at verse 26 again. It says, and he said, let us make man in our image. According to our likeness, let them have dominion over the flesh of the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God said, let us make man in our image. But here's the thing. The question must be asked or arises in us. Well, what is the image of God? I mean, because if I'm supposed to be, if we're made in God's image, what is the image of God? Now, here's what's understood. The, the two Hebrew words here that, that, that translate into likeness and image are uh, most often understood to mean about the same thing. Now, the reality is, is that some interpreters suggest that the, the image refers, however, to the reason, the ability to reason, and the likeness refers to or the, the, the spiritual dimension because when we look at the scriptures in John chapter 4, 24, we find that God is spirit. So many commentators believe that it, this refers to the non-material aspects of our, of our existence, our moral sensibilities, uh, our intellectual abilities, the fact that we have a will, and then also the fact that we have emotions. Now, based upon God's command in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 28, others have com commented or suggest that the image of God consists of the role that humanity is to play in the earth, where we're told to rule over the planet or have dominion over its resources. And the secondary, and secondarily, as a part of that, that, that the physical 
the physical and the mental and spiritual abilities that enable us to fulfill this role. So, so we have this, been given this responsibility and our ability to do that, some suggest that that means that's what it meant, is meant by made in God's image. Now, in God's image, so when we think about what does that mean, or the imagio dei in theology, it's a theological term that suggests or that implies that there is a, a symbolic uniqueness about humanity because of the relationship that we have to God. Out of all of God's creation, no other part has the ability or the capacity to deliberate, to reason, and to make choice. When you see an animal that is acting, it's acting out of its instincts. The eagle or the hawk that swoops down and grabs up prey, it's instinctive. It's not making a decision. It operates out of its instinct. However, humanity has the ability and the capacity to actually choose. We are designed as free moral agents that have the ability to choose. And ultimately, it is as a part of that we understand that this is what makes humanity unique. Of all of God's creation, we're the only part of it that has that capacity. So then we think about in his likeness. So we first, we've already established that we have a will. Now here's something I'd like you to consider. In God's likeness, we have a will. Human beings were created as rational, volitional agents who can reason and choose. But here's the thing. This is a reflection of God's intellect and his freedom. Because those who say that, that the earth was designed or, or created just by a big boom, I don't know about you, but every time I've seen an explosion, I've never seen anything created. When I see a, a big boom, I see destruction. I don't see molecules coming together, atoms coming together and forming and complex uh, equations being solved. I don't see that because there couldn't just have been a boom because all of creation suggest there was an intellectual design that was masterminding the whole program. Think about this. Things that we will never fully understand operate without explanation. How is it that you can look up and see clouds and they look like big cotton balls, but they can drench the earth with rain? and you can fly through them in a plane. Intellectual design. Another likeness of God is that our morality. Human beings were created in righteousness, watch this now, and perfect innocence. Adam and Eve are in the garden. They have no idea that they're naked. Complete innocence. Sin enters into the world and they say, oh, we're naked because God had created humanity in righteousness and perfect innocence. Now, this is, this part of us 
that understands this is our conscience. This reflects God because that conscious part of us, of the right and wrong, is that moral compass that still exists in us. Do you realize even babies, before they've been trained on something, they know the difference? Your child, your grandbaby could be in the floor playing and having a good time wide open. But when they go and get that thing you told them, no, they go sit under the table. And you know something's up when they're too quiet, right? You say, where, where is, where is baby? Because he's been too quiet for too long. He must be up to something. So there's still that part of us, that moral compass that was in us. And then finally, in terms of God's likeness, is the social part of us. This reflects our, uh, God's, the, the triune God but also the God who loves. Because in God's likeness, we understand that we exist in community and we have the capacity to love. Now, I know there's great debate over whether pets can love and whether they understand in the psyche of pets. Uh, one, of the, one of the movies that's really entertaining, if you haven't seen it, it's called The Secret Life of Pets. If you've seen it, if you've got grandchildren, if you have small children like I do, you've seen this. And it tries to, it, it tries to impose uh, human intellectual properties upon animals, the reasoning and the processing of things. Now, the, re, the, the truth is, it is a human's perspective of what we believe a pet, a pet is thinking. But the truth be told, of God's creation, we are the ones who understand what giving and receiving love is. I'll share an experience. So we had a little dog, a little pup. He wasn't a puppy. He was a, a chihuahua. So they're, you know, they're small like puppies, but uh, his name was Spike. And Spike thought he was, uh, Spike, Spike was, was probably three pounds wet with a towel laying on his back. And next door, the neighbor had this, it had to be some type of crossbreed of every big dog you could think of, just throw them all in. Because some days it looked like Cujo, and other days it looked like a Rottweiler, and in other times he looked like just, just a husky. But this dog had to be at least 80 pounds. So Spike would run up. And it was like the dog would said, come on, dog, what are you going to do? Now, one of the things about Spike is that when I would come home, Spike would jump and get excited and get excited. And he would, he would be so glad to see me, right? So I thought Spike really loved me and he could not get along without me. Well, one day, Spike would traveling down the, the roadway. And so my sister was coming. She says, I think I just saw Spike down the street. So we go down, we get him, we bring him in. And I talked to him. I said, Spike, you know better to leave this yard. He bowed his head and he went off. So then another few days passed by, and my brother saw Spike about five blocks away. 
So we go get Spike, bring it back. I said, Spike, do you know good well we don't want you leaving this yard? A couple weeks later, Spike never came back. Now, in my mind, I thought that if anybody ever picked Spike up and tried to take him home and be his owner, Spike would go crazy and they would have to get rid of Spike. We still ain't seen Spike since. Why? Because when Spike got over there, they started feeding him. He started being happy when they came home, too. He was glad when they came in. However, but human beings, we truly understand what it means to actually exist in love, giving and receiving, which is what makes us unique. So when we think about the likeness of God, because God is love, and of all creation, we are the ones who understand love, it also speaks to being made in his likeness. So we were designed with earthly dominion. We see that in verse 28 and 20, 26 and 28, that he says, let them have dominion over the earth. However, we also find that there were, that was dominion with boundaries. Let's look at, at, at chapter 2. If you would, turn over to Genesis chapter 2. And let's look at verse 16 and 17 because although God had given them dominion, he says, he says you, you have dominion over the earth, you have dominion over the garden, you can eat whatever you want, but he set boundaries. Here's, here's what he says in verse 16. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. So God, he lays out this. He says, these are the boundaries for both you and your helper. However, the problem is when we think about what just happened, God has created all. He's taken man and put him in the earth and says, you have dominion, but yet here are the boundaries. Guess what happens? That leads us to point number two. There's corruption in the design. There's corruption in the design. God says, hey, I, I have created you. You have dominion. However, here are my boundaries, and I be, you're going to exist within these boundaries, although you have dominion. But there's corruption. We see this corruption in, in chapter 3. Let's look at verse number 1. It begins here in verse number 1. It says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said you should not eat of every tree of the garden? Verse 2, And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But, verse 3, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Now, notice this. I want, I want to point to something, and here's a note to just for, for you to jot down. Tampering with God's word is an unwise endeavor. Now, we just read what God's instructions were. He says, don't eat of the tree. Did you know what Sister Eve just said? God said, don't eat it or touch it. 
eat or touch. She added to what God had said. And we have to be careful because sometimes when we add to what God said, we create confusion and trouble. Because in the midst of this, you know how our instincts are. If you tell me not to touch something, that's the one thing I won't touch. In her mind, and we don't know if she was the one to add the not touch. Maybe Adam said, hey, listen, when she comes along, listen, uh, uh, God said don't eat or touch. We don't know if he added or she added, but somebody added to what God said, and it created confusion because here in the midst of all that's going on, she's walking around believing don't eat, don't touch. But the reality is, is when we look, we inevitably want to touch. The wife tells the husband, you can look, but don't you touch. That's, that's, un, that's not good advice. That's not good advice. Dear sister, that's not good advice to give you. You can look, but don't touch. Because let me tell you this, the longer I look, So the key is to train my eyes not to look because eyes are always trying to see and they're never full of sin. So I've got to train my eyes not to look. When she walked by, I got to look off. Because I already know that that's going to visit me later. Oh, ladies, you uh, you know the guy, he's all... Your husband, all his muscles are relaxed. He got all kind of relaxed muscles, and you see the young, he, he, everything's tight, and it's all shiny. You've got to be able to look off because you can't just imagine because guess what's going to happen? You stare long enough, your husband come walk by and you say, mm, mm, mm. he need to work out. And he start dropping heads. You know what? L.A. Fitness is running a special. They're elliptical. They, they got ellipticals on sale. Because here's the thing. He, she says, don't look. I mean, don't touch. So the reality is, when, we, when we're going to tamper with God's word, we're going to create confusion and trouble. So we should leave God's word. So we see this, this, this month we're working through our 30th essential humanity, which understands that all of humanity is in a fallen state and in need of the redemptive work of Christ. So if we understand that as a part of our belief system, as our core belief systems, that all of us will, are, are fallen and have this fallen nature within us, then we understand why the gospel message is good news. Because in and of myself, I'm always going to lean in the direction of Rome. Here's how this works. There was a popular show. I'm not sure if it's still a game show called The, the Weak, Weakest Link. There, it may be in syndication and reruns, but, but here the, the, the program was designed to determine in this link which one is the weakest one. Now, if we understand that, 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 that we are functioning in this life, one of the things that you'll find which is why we are charged with not yielding to our flesh or our humanism is that that is our weak link. So we always say Satan is busy. 
Oh, he's busy. And then we have this desire to please God. But the truth of the matter, we don't give enough credit. We give too much credit to Satan and not enough attention to this thing. This thing. Because here's what the Apostle Paul does in, in Genesis, in Galatians chapter 5. He actually lists about 19 things that he says, these are the works of the flesh. Not of Satan, of the flesh. That this mind, this body, this instinct we have, this desire we have for wrong, he said, these are the works, these are things you know that this is your flesh in action. So think about this. If we don't identify that the weak link is right here, we'll always be saying it's either the devil or somebody else. But here's the blessing. There's some good news. Our third point for the day is this, that although things have gotten corrupted, we go from corruption to restoration. We go from corruption to restoration. Turn to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. And I want you to see something because even though we find ourselves in this corruptible state where our humanism is competing with the holiness that God has desired in us, or there's a tension that continues to exist, and think the thing about it is, unless we are able to gain a, a good sense of how to control that tension, it becomes like the tension that's placed on a rubber band. You all know that every rubber band has the ability to contract and expand. As you begin to pull on it, you pull it and there's tension in the band. Here's the thing. Each rubber band has a limitation on how far it could be stretched. So the key is that as the tension begins to increase, the goal is to relieve the tension. And so here's how this works. If I am not willing to make sure that I cultivate my walk with the Lord, my time with the Lord, my time in the Word, sin and the world and the things around me will continue to stretch my band. And the reality is that unless I'm able to relieve that tension of my conflict between holiness and humanness by the power of the Holy Spirit, at some point I'll reach my breaking point. And that's where you find somebody just going on their way. I'm going to do it my way and no longer concerned with God's way. But here's what, 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 what Paul says in Romans chapter 5, verse 12. He says, therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because of all, because all sin, look at verse 17. For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, 
much more those who receive an abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in the life through the one Jesus Christ. Verse 18, here's why we came here. Therefore, as, the one, as, uh, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. Verse 19, for as by one man's disobedience, Many were made sinners, so also by the one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. We just celebrated today one man's obedience. Because here's what the Apostle Paul says. He said, he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Jesus could have died any other way just to save himself from the torture and the strain. However, but he was obedient because in the Garden of Eden, uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane, as he stood there and he's wrestling with this plan, he says, Father, if it is possible, I'm still willing to die, but this particular cup of dying, being wounded for my transgressions, bruised for my iniquities, the chastisement of my peace upon by his stripes. He said, this particular cup, can this cup pass? But then he says, but nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Jesus' one act of obedience as he settles the deal and says, God, Father, I will complete the mission just as you planned it. Through that act, we can become righteous. Begin the process of being restored back to the original design that God had. Because here's the thing. It's when God redeems an individual, he begins to restore their original image of God, creating a new self, created to be like God as we reflect the image of Christ. See, once we come to that place of embracing what Jesus did for us and accepting it in our hearts, the Holy Spirit indwells us and he begins the process of taking us back to that place where we can reflect Christ or reflect God as we reflect Christ. Because Jesus, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. When we are reflections of Christ, we become what God originally designed and that is a reflection of himself. And here's how this would look. When I look in the mirror, I see something. And what I see looking back at me is my reflection. Here's what God desires, that each one of us be his mirror. Amen. That when he comes and looks at us, he sees his reflection reflecting back to him. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 
verse 23 and 24 says this, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So we go from corruption to restoration through redemption. We had an awesome time in the Lord, and we pray that you did as well, and want to thank you for visiting the Amity Bible Church. If you're in need of prayer, counsel, or if we can assist in any way, please don't hesitate to ask. If you would like to join, contact us, or receive these and other sermon notes, visit us at amitybc.org. Until next week, we hope to see you then. Be blessed.